Welcome to the Success Shortcut Podcast. My name is Jeff Horig, and I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur, and someone that's still trying to figure it all out. My goal is to get the get to the highest levels of filmmaking and business. So each week, I'm I'm sharing something that I've learned and or continuing to learn, and maybe there's some lessons here that have helped me, and hopefully you might get something out of it too. So this week, I kind of touched upon it maybe a few weeks ago, but uh, I was having a discussion with my friend and coach, um, Sharon Gutierrez, about uh, where we're building uh, Oregon Entertainment and all of the original content that we're creating. Um, and we have a channel called Oreg Explorers, where it's essentially a reaction channel. And what that means, if you're not familiar, is that we uh, take other people's content and we react to it. So it's kind of like a trend that's happening now, like on YouTube and TikTok and, and other platforms. Um, but this is not an entirely new concept. Maybe the way it's being done or like the way that we're doing it is sort of new to uh, to YouTube or TikTok. Um, and, and when I say we, I mean like all these people that are reacting to the, the content. Um, but the concept itself is, is not that new. So, for example, uh, the news itself is it's not for the most part, the news is not crazy creating their own stories per se they're finding existing stories and then reporting those stories uh absolutely don't get me wrong absolutely they're creating um you know new original content based on those stories uh but that's like sort of a version of this um another version of of what we are sort of doing is um like uh, movie reviewers like uh, Roger Ebert, you know, he's just basically watching the movie and then he's discussing his reaction to it uh, and so on. And then same with like Rolling Stones in the music space, right? They've been doing that for decades. Um, the question then that kind of arises and sort of where we fall on this spectrum is what at, at what point are we taking the original creator's content and um, is, does it still fall under fair use or does it fall under infringement? In our case, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're oftentimes like reviewing the whole song and we have the whole song in our review video. So, you know, I, I will understand and I get that that's definitely leaning more towards the infringement side, right? Because we're taking the whole work and we're uh, we're commenting on it, uh, but I don't know how if that exactly falls under fair use. Because, like for example, if Roger Ebert was going to take the whole movie um, that he's reviewing and, and puts it on his TV show, and he watches it and comments on it, yes, he's making commentary and and he's. You know, he's kind of like reporting on it. But at that point, it's like the whole work that he's sharing, right? I get it. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at. And and 
I just wanted to share some lessons and maybe there's some action steps that I, you know, I've taken some notes on that we can discuss at the end here. Um, but some of the lessons regarding this is uh, there's challenges and opportunities to doing something like this, right? Building, creating content based on existing content. So I've sort of touched upon some of those challenges. So let's start with the opportunities because I think the opportunities might be a shorter list than some of the challenges. On the opportunity side, uh, I think some of the bigger opportunities is one that you're leveraging an audience or, you know, and content that's already like proven, has an audience, has people interested in it. There's marketing that's already been built around that. And then you can ride on the coattails of that, you know, like Roger Ebert is not producing his own movies. He's simply just talking about them. Um, and, you know, yeah, I guess you can get a degree on film criticism. Um, but is that truly any kind of qualifier for people to listen to your opinion about movies? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. The, the, you can have your opinion about that and your opinion about Roger Ebert's opinions on movies, right? Um, but, you know, he's popular and he's known because he's been doing it for a long time. He's been doing it uh, on a on a national platform, excuse me, for years and years and years. And, you know, he's seen as an authority on it for whatever reason, right? But he's building, again, he's building a career on other people's content and simply commenting on it. Um, and that's... There's, there's some benefits to that, right? Like, it's people want to know about it, um, and maybe hearing anyone's opinion on it is better than not knowing a, or about it or hearing anyone's opinion at all. Okay. Uh, what other other benefits on? I'd say that's like those are the biggest benefits of sort of doing something like this, right? Now. The cons is that you are, you know, working on, or like you're using other people's content to create content. So you're always sort of limited by the content that's put out there. And uh, depending on like what niche you've you've kind of created for yourself, let's say if you're doing movie reviews uh, or if you've, you know, or music reviews, um, you know, it's like, how far do you niche down? Are you doing just, you know, rap reviews? Are you just doing, um, you know, music from uh, a particular band and so on? And like, uh, yeah, and then, <laughs> as I mentioned before, the way we're doing it is we, you know, we're using, like, the whole song and so on. So when you do that, and uh, I'll point out another sort of, another YouTube channel that I'm aware of 
that does similar sort of review commentary content. Uh, his channel is Aussie Man, and this is an Australian personality. Uh, he's just, he's really funny. I think he's actually really talented. Uh, and he built a huge following and like a very big YouTube channel, and I'm guessing uh, on other platforms as well, but I know him through YouTube. And he takes uh, basically memes, funny videos, viral videos, and then he'll comment on them. Um, and his commentary, in addition to the videos being funny and viral and interesting to watch, uh, he has funny commentary on top of it. Um, from what I understand from his channel and like how he's talked about uh, getting content and a little bit of monetizing that content is I think for the most part he's built more of a following and then um, he may or may not be able to monetize those videos uh, regarding ad revenue from YouTube if the owner of that video hasn't given him permission to use that video in his. So he's, he's, what I'm trying to say here is that he's done sort of two different ways for creating the content, uh, or three, let's say. One is um, finding those viral videos, hopefully getting permission, but if he doesn't get permission, then he doesn't get the monetization but he's building followers. That's sort of one. He's built just building followers with the content. Then the second is, is if he can find and or get the permission from the original video creator, then he'll do that, and then he should be able to monetize it. So um, he has like this new submission form that you can submit videos to him, and then you're giving permission and stating that you have the ownership of that video and you're giving him permission to use that video to monetize it. That's that's one. That's just the second one. And then the third one, he's creating new content um, and original content um, that is also being, that should be able to be monetized. So as an example of a, a new series and, and original content that he's creating, uh, he's built up a big enough following that now he's considered like, um, a member of the press and in Australia he's able to get into these press junkets for new movies coming out where you know celebrities will uh, do you know just like interview after interview after interview promoting their latest movie and he's in that press junket so um, there's new content that's being created there okay so The reason why I bring all of that up is because, like, typically the way people think about how you monetize YouTube, we'll, we'll just talk with about YouTube because that's the platform I'm most interested in, but this applies to pretty much uh, every, every platform available. So, okay, with that. When people think about how you monetize a... YouTube channel, the thing that comes to mind first is the ad revenue that you share with YouTube. Um, and 
that ad revenue varies uh, a lot. Uh, and there's different variables that cause this variation. So, uh, so just like briefly on how ad revenue works on YouTube, uh, there is a there's a split between YouTube and the content creator, and I believe it's 55% to the content creator, and then 45% to YouTube. So there's that initial split, but on top of that. It also depends on what kind of content that you create and then what sponsors are willing to sponsor that type of content. So as an example, um, people that create content around um, finance and making money and, and that kind of thing on YouTube typically have the highest advertiser rates for that, and then it just kind of goes down from there. So uh, now I forget the exact measurement, but there's a there's a measurement called RPM, which stands for revenue per mil. So revenue per thousand views, I believe, is how it's measured. And for those financial people, like they are getting like twenty dollars. Um, I think I've seen on some YouTubers where they're sharing this information, like as high as like $30 uh, RPM. Whereas the channel that we're creating, this Org Explorers, Org, uh, Org Reacts, is receiving like a dollar, maybe $2 uh, RPM. So it's a massive difference, right? Like you get a thousand views and you're making $30 versus you get a thousand views and you make a dollar, I mean, that's 30X, it's a, it's a big difference. Um, and that's if we can uh, do some revenue sharing with YouTube. Um, and in our case, because we will get demonetized a lot because we're using the full song that revenue will actually go back to the band that created the song. Um, and I think that's fair. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about that, but I'm just explaining how it works, right? Um, so that's how it, that's how most YouTube channels will make their money in the beginning is through some sort of ad revenue sharing with the platform. And there's, as you can see, there's going to be varying degrees of success with that, whether, you know, you're making finance content that's completely original or <laughs> you're being demonetized because you're reviewing, um, you're infringing on someone else's copyright. Okay. Now, as you grow a channel larger, from what I've learned at VidCon, at VidSummit, and then plus from videos that YouTubers will share on like how much they've made from YouTube, uh, whether, you know, like over the years or just from a single video, there's tons of research that you can do. Um, the, the business model starts to change in how you can monetize. So um, when you're starting out, like I said, you're just, you know, getting a little bit of ad revenue that you're sharing with YouTube. Um, but then it'll start to change. Once you get a larger audience, uh, you can start um, 
maybe getting sponsorship deals. You can uh, sell tickets to a live event or sell courses for something that like you're teaching. Um, you can do Patreon or memberships on YouTube. So Patreon and, and memberships is where you have people that are really big fans of your channel and your content and they just want to support you. So they're typically just giving some sort of monthly, you know, small amount, anywhere from like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, thirty dollars, a hundred dollars a month um, to support your content. And maybe they get some additional perks like access to the um, content earlier, maybe some merchandise, that kind of thing. Um, and then if I didn't mention already, you can, as your audience grows larger and more engaged, you can sell sponsorships. Uh, and then also uh, you can sell merchandise. So when you hear the sort of more mature YouTube businesses and then the breakdown of how they're monetizing, it, it flips. So in the beginning, you know, if you're talking percentage-wise, the majority is coming from ad sale, I'm sorry, ad revenue sh uh, sharing with YouTube. Um, and then there's like nothing else from there. But as it matures, it becomes merchandise sales is the biggest revenue generator. Then typically sponsorships, uh, then maybe live event ticket sales or course sales, Patreon, and then the ad revenues last. Um, but that is when you've sort of achieved this like scale or this size of, you know, a following that allows for that. We're not there yet. So I guess part of like what I'm discussing right now and or thinking about is how do we get there? How do you scale and get this audience or get an audience um, to get to this point where you're um, able to sell merchandise, sponsorships, have a significant Patreon, um, and, you know, and so on, right? For us, um, you know, I was, I was reminded of a lesson from a marketing mentor of mine, and he said that you should fall in, fall in love with, and this maybe it's just like a saying in, in the business world and the startup world, but fall in love with your customer, um, and not with your product. And You know what, he kind of elaborated on that, or he, he elaborated on that and he said that, you know, if you have a, uh, a customer or you have a, f a, a fan or a follower, uh, that can be very valuable because like that person is consuming all kinds of stuff. And there's no rule that says you can't be the provider of all those things for that customer. Like, 
if you look at Amazon, Amazon started out as just a bookseller, but now, I mean, they're they're not looking at us as customers that buy books only, right? They're just looking at us as as customers that consume everything and like Amazon is trying to sell you everything that you buy in your life. Uh from toilet paper to food to books and movies and so on and so forth, right? Um So it's the same with us. It's like depending on like where you want to take your business and like how you want your business to unfold, you can do the same thing. Now, it might not make sense that if you're like us and you're reviewing uh, songs by BTS on a particular channel, that like it might not make sense for us to be selling um, food to our clients, but it might, I don't know, who knows, they're not clients, but like our, our fans, right? Um, but it might, I don't know. Anyway, something to think about, right? And um, so with that idea of falling in love with your client or your, your client, your customer, and not falling in love with the product, then, you know, it sort of begs the question of like, how do we best serve our client? How do we best serve our audience? So we've experimented with this. We've experimented with other kinds of content that we thought this audience might be interested in watching. And so we tried making, I thought these videos were great and they were funny and interesting and I thought the, that the audience would love them too. So we made documentaries about um, BTS and we've made kind of like funny, entertaining sort of game shows about BTS and K-pop. Um, and the videos did, they did well, but they weren't what the audience was looking for. This is the lesson that I learned. And what we learned was that this audience that we've cultivated with these reaction videos really just want reaction videos about their favorite band, whether in our case, we've been looking at three different bands, BTS, uh, SB19, and um, 80s, all because there's like personal connections to those bands within our company. And, and that's fair, like I get it. Like they came to us originally for that. That's what they want from us. Um, so then it, you know, it's just a question of like, you know, are, can we continue to deliver that? Um, and do we want to continue to to deliver that? Uh, I, I enjoy doing it and I do want to continue delivering it, but um, it has come down to, and it is coming down to a point where because we are using other people's content, there's a limit to how much of that content actually exists in the world today, right? Like there's a finite, currently a finite number of BTS albums and songs, right? And once we've gone through that entire catalog, we then face another decision. It's like, well, do we bring in new people to react to this and so on? 
And, you know, this is just one of these inherent limitations of this kind of channel and this kind of content. Um, and just sort of playing it out to that, you know, to that end, we probably will, and we are in the process of, like, just getting to the point where the channel, that particular channel, will just be one channel in a network of channels that we've created. And it'll get to a point where it gets to a maintenance mode. Um, don't get me wrong. I believe there's opportunities in that space, but are they opportunities that I want to take? So like I mentioned, like we could build it to a channel, like a, a the kind of channel where it's like, um, I think it's called Fine Brothers or Fine Brothers React or Reacts now, I think is what it's called. And like, they just keep finding new people to like react to stuff. And then that's the other thing too, is like, you can, we could expand the channel to react to different things. It can be beyond BTS. It can be like food and movies and books and whatever, right? All kinds of anything you can possibly imagine. But, you know, I ask myself the questions like, hey, is that what we want to do with our career? Is that where we want to, is that the kind of content that we want to create long term? Um, and maybe not. And maybe it's just, you know, sort of this chapter and this experiment and seeing like what we can learn and then kind of applying it to content that we do want to make more long term and and then go from there. And I think we're leaning towards that. So what are the actionable steps? I think one, if you're considering creating a YouTube channel, um, I think the advice out there is valid. So a lot of the advice that's out there is like, pick something that you can talk about and or are interested in that you will not lose interest in over years, over the course of years. Because like you are building a, you're, you have, I think you really have to look at this as you're building a new business and while some people get lucky um, and, you know, pick something out the gate and know how to create something right out the gate that's just like amazing and great and shareable and viral and there's lots of people that love it and are interested in it and so on, um, then, you know, it might take you a while to figure it out. So, uh, and regardless, even if you are lucky and you find something that's successful out the gate, but you hate it, like, you, again, that's not sustainable either, right? So I'd say, you know, if you're thinking about creating content, create content around something that you are down to create content regardless of whether or how sex successful it is, as well as, like, you're just down to create content for that for years and years and years, um, if that's what you want to do. And then, and then second, I think um, maybe learn the, the lessons from us. Um, if you can, try and start out with that original content. 
if you can't, I think it's I think it's still valuable, you know, to create something like Roger Ebert or Rolling Stones or Ozzyman or even like what we've started to create. There's there's value in it. Like you learn how to engage with an audience. You learn um, how to make and create content and put it out there on a regular basis. Um, and then you learn what audiences want and what they don't want. And then um, you can adjust. And then from there, you can, just like us, you can see if that adjustment is something that you actually want to do. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Let's maybe those will be the actionable steps. I mean, you know, another thing like, Maybe the other actionable step is like, see what's already working either in your life or in your business. Um, see, look for like a problem to solve. And like, ideally that problem, the bigger that problem is, um, the better. Like the more people that have that problem and the more painful that problem is, um and the better you're able to solve that then like i think that's a that's a big opportunity um that's so vague i know but like that's the secret sauce man <laughs> like when you figure that out uh you you're on the you're on the trail to finding like a great business and or a great opportunity right like If I'm going to try and like summarize this, maybe it's this, maybe it's like, what is that Venn diagram? Where's the overlap between what you're passionate about, what a market that is sizable and hungry like what they want. Um, and then I think also ideally, like how good you are at executing that particular solution. Um, when, when those things overlap and sort of the more they overlap, the better, right? Like, um, or, you know, or, or, or if you have like this giant market that's like super hungry, um for this solution like you'll that's 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 where that success lies right because if you look at sort of the different things like if you're super passionate about something but nobody else in the world cares like it doesn't really matter right and like even if your execution's incredible um and you're super passionate about it but no one else cares it's it doesn't, it's not that useful. Um, I mean, really, honestly, like, you know, maybe it's really finding that, that, that problem, that thing for that biggest market that needs a solution. Because like, sometimes you can have like, maybe not great execution. Like, man, you can look at some YouTube videos and execution's not that great. But if there's um, a big enough demand for it, then like, 
you know, you can kind of just get like a little bit lucky and then hopefully um, increase your skill and get better. And then hopefully you're also passionate about it and so on. Um, maybe that's a lesson. Okay, so in summary, <laughs> try and find a big enough, hungry enough market with a, a problem that like is very painful for them that hopefully you can find a way to solve. And that, that problem, I mean, like the business that I'm in and the business that I'm trying to get in, you know, like successful in is the business of entertainment. And it is a problem. Like it's, it's a problem. People like the market in general, the broad, broad, broad market is willing to pay billions of dollars for Like there's, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Apple TV and HBO and like movie theater, you know, shows, movies uh, in the movie theater. Like the market is shelling out billions and billions of dollars for this. Um, the question is like, is there a pain that hasn't been solved that I can solve? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. There, that's the question. <laughs> So same for you. Is there is there a pain? Um, and so the answer might be like, well, it's tough. There's like I'm facing a ton of competition, and I'm aware of that. But like, when kind of when you, when I phrase it that way, it starts to make me think like, oh, that's daunting. But it's all good. I, I'm I'm willing to take it on. I'm willing to take it on because, you know. I think there is a problem that um, needs to be solved. I, I don't, I think there are only a handful of good movies that are made every year. Like movies where you're, let's say great movies, where you're like, wow, that was amazing. I love that movie. You know, hey friends and family, have you seen this movie? You gotta go watch this movie. There's only a handful of those every year. Um, and I now have the capability to make a movie. I'm not saying I can make a movie that's great necessarily, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, TV, on the other hand, I think TV, I think there's a lot of great TV being made right now. Um, and yeah, there's still opportunity on there. Like how often are you looking on Netflix or Hulu or you know, HBO and just being like, man, is, is there a good show to watch? Um, even on YouTube too, you, you probably like, if you're like me, you're kind of always looking for great content to consume. There's a problem to be solved. I gotta go make some great content. Okay, with that, <laughs> I hope you got something out of this. Uh, if you did enjoy this podcast, if you did get something out of it, um, let me know. Leave a review. If you didn't, you know what? Leave a bad review. Let me know too, because then that way, that's like the way I can improve. Uh, or if you're watching this on YouTube or some other platform, leave a comment um, and so on. Share it, like it, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, I My thought is that it's going to help the community out. The bigger that we make this community, we can get some discussions going. We can lift each other up. It'll be this incredible thing and you can be a part of it.
So until next time, I'm Jeff Orig, and I'll see you later. This has been the Success Shortcut Podcast. Let's go. Let's do it. Yay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>